It's always uh, useful to consciously acknowledge um, sharing this space together, sharing this time together. And notice that you all come here individually and then um, gather together, different kinds of people in the room, different karma, different thoughts different moods, different feelings about themselves and about <coughs> situation here. Um, you know, some people think it's a very normal, ordinary thing, perhaps even a bit stale by now. Some people think it's a very unusual thing they feel slightly nervous about. Um, some people think it's something they feel, you know, is a regular uh, feature of their lives. They come every week or every month or whatever and it's a special time and they feel quite, you know, like it's a comforting, steadying time. It's a kind of occasion that represents a particular, like a benchmark or a mark that you use to to keep uh, ref- right reference, right awareness of the circumstances and the flow of life. You've got something to kind of check and measure it against. This is a time to check in with oneself and use the situation to to be able to check in with oneself. Mm. This is a context for that kind of experience to feel that this is a possibility. It's a situation that in some way is a group situation, yet it's, it's a situation where the fact of it being a group helps us know who we are or where we're at individually. Um, we're in a group situation that is one where the group, if you like, just, just holds holds the situation. It, it kind of supports the situation. It's not here, we're not here at this time particularly to, to know each other, to make something out of each other, to perform, to please each other, to work out anything together. It's not really an interactive thing or a personal thing. So in a way that's quite a special occasion. Um, And it's an occasion where one can actually look at those modes of behavior, uh, 
that we we have towards other people. Um, you know, the way the way that we see ourselves in relationship with other people or domestic situation. Um, you know, or a situation living in this monastery, and and so so much into that particular situation that it becomes difficult to know. Well, yeah, but you, who am I? It's, it's, what am I doing? What's my life about? You know, we get get so woven into the tapestry of of our life situation that we can't ref- we don't know how to reflect upon it. So this particular occasion is one to that in, in a way is a kind of a gathering together and yet it's also quite separate, it's quite alone. You don't have to, we, when we meet here it's not that everybody always feels wonderfully positive about it. It's not necessarily a, a situation where we're all kind of affirming something other than the possibility to, to collect, to be here, to, to collect oneself notice what's going on and to say that's all right. You know, you're feeling bored, that's all right. You're feeling inspired, that's all right. You're feeling you've got a lot of problems, that's okay. You're feeling you, you, know, you will learn to meditate, that's good, that's fine. You're feeling you know all about it, that's fine. Whatever, it's just whatever's up and running on your, your own kind of psychological um, Whatever psychology is up and running is something to look at, to be aware of, to to feel out, rather than to feel one has to justify it, or hide it, or deny it, or make it into something else. It's just this, and this isn't always something one can do on one's own. Actually, um, you know, on our own, it's so easy to to find ourselves um, just continually engaging with our psychology acting upon it, do, restlessly doing stuff, feeling there's something we shouldn't be doing um, or shouldn't be doing, feeling we should feel a certain thing that we're feeling and not being able to feel it, feeling we shouldn't feel a certain thing that we're feeling. We can get caught because uh, the idea of, uh, you know, it, sometimes the, the, the situation is not the context is not is not strong enough. Um, the experience of being in something is not strong enough. All we're into is is our own doingness. We're not into into a kind of a um, reflecting on able to reflect upon our own doing, our own um, psych- psychology, our own moods and feelings. So very much caught up in it. Something like this is a, is a place where. You know, who you are doesn't really matter. Um, so, the presence of of a, of a group is you look at. You don't have to not be who you are either. It's just whatever it is. It's something that is kind of accepted, is is present. There's no there's no particular immediate reaction to it. There's no particular judgment of it. It's just like this. This is actually what makes a, um, this is what is sacredness is about. It's not really going forwards or going backwards, affirming or denying. It's just finding something that's stepping out, um, but not away from. 
just getting perspective, stepping out and getting perspective. This is what makes a, a place or an, or an occasion. This is what gives it, this is what sa- sacred means. We're able to see our circumstances or feel our circumstances or relate to our circumstances from a different place, a place of, of balance, a place of equanimity. Of some equanimity, of some okayness about it. Now, as we we may recognise, this isn't always possible because um, our, uh, our uh, the context that we live in can be one where there's always uh, the the the, uh, the relationship in the where we're living is one of doing something about it. So, if you're sitting at home, then you know, the, the, there's a strong um, tendency to be doing something about about it. It's your place, so that fix this, sort that out, answer that, write that, clean that, feed that, bury that, whatever. You know, you've got those kind of things happening on automatically. You can't just contemplate. It's like this now. It's one where one is conditioned and trained into 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 acting, engaging. You know, this is the real stuff. This is this is it. Now get on with it. Do it. It's a do it experience. Even in people we we live with, it can be very much a, a feeling of, well, um, make sure he's all right. Um, um, make sure he's happy. Uh, how do I feel about him? How does he feel about me? Um, how we get you know? There's this kind of nervous kind of vibration. Of, of reassuring or trying to work out or trying to make things better or trying to figure out how we stand with each other this kind of thing running this particular um, thing going and um, when it's like that there can be so much activity on an emotional or psychological level that that is pretty difficult to, to get a, a, a confidence because Everything, everything, the mind is, is moving so rapidly and flickering that you don't, you know, you don't even know you've really got a true take on anything because there's no, there's no equanimity. There's no dispassion. It's highly, it's, high, it's important, and it's serious, and it's meaningful. And you mustn't get it wrong. You should do something about it. Because otherwise, Because otherwise, and we'll know what otherwise is about. The monster under the bed. <laughs> otherwise, feeling, you know, you know what exactly otherwise, it feels bad, whatever that otherwise is. Mm. Very often we don't um, 
don't know what the other is, but it's something that's because we haven't done anything about it, we haven't, we can't control it. We're not doing it. It's something that's other than all that. Then feel a bit uneasy about it. Like in a situation like this, we can, you know, it's a place where actually everything, the other, is the most, uh, is, is actually fully present. There's a whopping great brass image behind me. That's strange. It's strange at first. There's these strange people sitting here in strange clothes, not saying anything, not looking happy or sad, just sort of sitting there. What's happening? Um, you know, people sitting with their eyes half closed, what's going on? What's happening here? Mm. And, you know, because once you've been a one, once or twice, you get to feel it's sort of safe and secure. But imagine walking in here, straight into the street, looking for a, you know, like looking for a, I'm going to tell you where the local, um, you know, McDonald's is, and you walk into this lot. Yeah, or what, what, you know, what the <laughs> what's going on here? And uh, certainly, uh, you know, in the way that I've noticed, just the way that I appear, I'm a walking other, and walking in a, in a high street, or standing on a, a railway train, or in a bus, or something like that. It's quite easy to see people's response to the other so that they don't know and don't understand is obviously different and for many people it's it's something they either deliberately ignore it like it doesn't exist at all um, or there's a feeling of some fear or some people actually start um, threatening you know like defending themselves by threatening you or making some kind of you know pejorative statement it's like a way of of, of repelling the other before it actually, you know, rather than getting to know what it's about. And of course, to some people, oh, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like that, isn't it? And it's really like the other, um, is, it gives us a, a readout on, on our own attitudes, our own psychology, because this sense of the other, um, that which is not ourselves, um, that which is uh, we're not doing, um, so if we're not kind of making it, understanding it, thinking about it, is something that's kind of part, you know, it's, it's virtually present, it's sort of li- lurking around all the time. And a lot of our life can be about actually um, pushing it out so that rather than be in a situation strange, we try to familiarise ourselves. Rather than to be, uh, um, you know, when you're with people you don't know, tendency to either not, you know, to not engage, to ignore, or to, to try to fami- become familiar. Like a, a lot of human relationships on a casual uh, acquaintance level are just about neutralising the sense of discomfort or anxiety that occurs when you put 
two straight people who don't know each other together. And we may think that's normal. Why should you know? It's normal to feel uh, somebody you don't know, to feel that you want to know them more. But, but to, just to recognize the, the sense of, you know, the, the, the anxiety that can be there, the restless anxiety. You know, just to watch what happens if you're in a situation with something that's other. What you feel like. Whether you feel innately worse or weaker or smaller or inferior or guilty even. Or whether you feel, you know, the other thing is foolish or waste of time or inferior or whatever. And... Um, just to kind of contemplate that, that that movement of emotion, that movement of our, of our psychology is one aspect of the way that, we, that the mind projects its own unacknowledged dissonances onto the world outside it, its own, its own insecurity, its need to control things, its need to... Um, govern things, its need to uh, make things pleasant its its sense of insecurity now you may find that the sense of otherness is something you, you know, with people you know uh, so that it feels okay and then you know, with something familiar and it feels quite okay it feels like me it's a kind of an enlargement of me my friends, my pet, my radio, my car and it's all it sort of feels one wants to make it mine um, on a, not in order to have something but in order to, to feel comfortable to feel um, one belongs to something one is part of something you're not in a, in a state of being present with something that's alien or other so one becomes familiar with things that familiarity that urge for familiarity can be so um, feverish that we will settle for snapshot familiarity that is making brief very brief and immediate judgments without really letting things be unknown and, and discovering um, so we can make very immediate perceptual judgments of other people quickly, briefly stereotypes, caricatures rather than saying well, actually you don't really know you don't really know anybody else you, you may have certain patterns of response and certain assumptions that you make but you don't really know. You, know, you don't know the totality of it. Is that okay? Is it you know? Can, could it be any other way? Could it be possible to, to fully know someone else? Do you, is it possible to fully know yourself? And then when one doesn't then do we assume that we know someone completely so therefore the the relationship becomes one of a kind of a stale thing where we we 
thing, oh, it's same again. Or making assumptions about people that, that, that then, when it, they don't act the way that we've assumed they are, that we feel disappointed or hurt or let, they let me down, or, or it becomes such that, that when one establishes a relationship with other people of a certain kind of familiarity in, in behaviour, that it becomes impossible to step outside of that. So you get, you want, it can be often the case we step, we can find ourselves in situations where um, you know someone on a, on a you know, conventional level quite well, as you've, you've associated with them quite a long period of time. And actually because of that, it becomes difficult to say, to talk to them or to, to relate to them actually in ways that are other than um, you know that than the, the familiar. So there may be it may be even like it's impossible to say critical things because one is sort of, it doesn't quite you don't know what you know that might upset it might upset the relationship. Difficult things, things that fall outside of a pattern of of warmth and ease. And we may not, we may feel we couldn't actually, we don't have enough trust to, to say, well, I wonder if I could actually, you know, say something that's a little bit, you know, over the edge of what um, a normal way of relating is. Something that may be a bit kind of out of, out of um, character, out of stereotype, out of pattern. I think you know, this is, is wonderful when one can continually keep things fresh by 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 being able to to not you know feel bound into a particular pattern that we've always got to approve of everything that, that another person says you know when we actually perhaps we don't we've always got to feel you know, proving and good and positive about something. Because as long as we get, if we get stuck into that, then the little irritations that, that occur, and we can't articulate or voice them, the relationship doesn't allow us to voice them, gradually build up into a feeling of, you know, dissonance and even resentment or feeling guilty that we should hold such, that we should have such moods. And yet when you come down, when you come to think of it, because other people are other, then actually there's bound to be divergences. Divergences of opinion, divergences of perceptions, my take on something, your take on something. That's, you know, they may be similar a lot of the time, but sometimes they're going to be slightly off, aren't they? Am I like this kind of picture, which you... Find leaves you stone cold. I might like this kind of food which you hate or whatever. Something that seems extremely funny to me, you think is inane. There may be perceptual divergences. Um, so there's this way in which um, even people who are have a lot in common, there's always something other, alien, separate about them. And then uh, do we allow that? Do we actually allow it and 
um, acknowledge it, encourage it even. You know that that, that we don't have to um, kind of neutralize or, or or neuter ourselves into some sort of stereotype thing. It's all right to be a bit dissonant, a bit kind of unpalatable, a bit sort of rough around the edges here and there. I guess this is my way of apologising. Particularly in, in, in Sangha life, you know, where, where there is a high degree of apparent conformity, is massive, massive divergences of, of character. Um, and in a way, the, the high degree of, of conformity tends to you know, make it clearer and present more, more, more clearly. You've got much a kind of steadier um, rule, a rule, like a rule of conduct, rule of behaviour, that then all the idiosyncrasies really stick out and jut out. Um, and then you, oh, it's different thing the same. He's always going on like that. She's never here like this. And you, this kind of thing that you feel really... But because it, you know, one, one kind of it looks for in, in relationships this sense of and just everything being kind of okay and easy and flowing along, that when something doesn't, it can really stick in you. And it, it often... It brings up well, you know, one's own um, some of the responses we have to something that's other, and these are no, I don't think these are necessarily for any of us. You know, um, only of one sort. So, um, you know, one may feel um, just hurt and bewildered. You know, frustrated, disappointed. You may feel amused. You may feel something like, like irritation and anger. And you get a machine that, that you know, something like a, a power tool or a computer is definitely other, and you want it to go the way you want to, to use it, you want it to go your way and then it, 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 it doesn't, it goes its own way it goes your way for a certain part of it, that's what you bought it for so it goes for a certain period or a certain extent it goes your way and then it, it goes its own way and then what was the feeling then? then you get this kind of, why, why does one feel angry? because we assumed it would be a kind of a, uh, an extension of ourselves. And maybe we assume that about people, cats, dogs, is it? And then when they're not, what does it bring up? Does it bring up a feeling of disappointment or what does it do? What's the otherness in anyone's life? Notice if you're in a group of people, perhaps the, everyone in that group may very well feel that everybody else in the group is of one kind, and I'm the odd one out. I'm the I'm the other. You know, there's the other, which is everybody else. 
and there's me. And then, then what, what does that bring up? Um, this is a, a, a good way of um, like reflecting. Often what it brings up we won't be able to say because it's the other. So if you have a particularly a negative or a fearful experience then you can't actually say that because you're frightened. Or if you're neg- in a negative state you can't actually say that because of the negativity. And so the thing perpetuates itself because the group or the other person is other and you feel it as other, it represents that which you can't contact or not in, not in harmony with. So those very feelings of disharmony are something that you can't present because you're not in contact with. Yeah. And, but then of course, wonderfully, if one could ever say to the other, I don't understand, I'm in disharmony, I don't like this. And you could say that purely in order to connect, not in order to blame, not in order to dismiss, not in order to to win favours, but just in order to say, this is where I am, and just let you know that. Wouldn't that be a way in which that feeling of dissonance would, strangely enough, be healed, just by even being able to express what it is? Because, in fact, we don't really need to agree but to connect is possible. Agreement is not possible as a total thing. But connecting, relating, being honest, being where we are, is. It seems to me that very often that, that the problems that one has with the, the other are really a representation of problems that one has with the other in oneself. That is, there's a socialized persona which is accepted, which is okay, which has the answers, which can come up with the, the appropriate emotional kind of range and then you have the stuff outside that you may be kind of gnawing feelings of guilt or you know flickerings of rage or you know powerful stuff that is not acceptable socially acceptable not something that you can kind of present put out and because of that it's not something that you can even present to yourself Certainly living in community, community life and group situations are, are very good for beginning to, to see how um, the other, the group, the community, the other thing acts as a kind of mirror image of, um, or can act, well, it's not always, but can act as a kind of mirror image of the otherness 
in oneself that wasn't hasn't been able to fully accept, fully realize. You feel okay walking around with trees, you know, they're they're you know, they don't actually present any challenges. You'll feel all right sitting by a lake, by a pond, you're all right. Talking stroking a cat, you feel fine. You know, you can actually they're passive enough for one to be able to kind of, you know, extend oneself over them. You know, the trees will be nice and beautiful, they're not gonna argue with you. Um, the cat will just purr or whatever. Um, it's not gonna well sometimes they do actually. But that sense of relief in nature, when it's just in that state of it being um, sort of, uh, one, can, one can project feelings of, of ease and serenity and peacefulness onto it. At least in Britain, which is quite a docile, nature's quite docile here. Um, and then you come to a, uh, say, a group of people, and it feels rather different. It's not like sitting with trees or, you know, you can feel very tense or tight or nervous. What's happening? What's happening here? Where's it coming from? And maybe somebody says something and you think, they're getting at me. Somebody else says something and you feel a little bit pressured, and it, you know you actually feel it. It's it's there's enough in what people say for the mind to be able to pick up. These these implications, and yet just to recognise what it's like, you know what happens when you're saying just a group of people like this, and it's silent. And it's okay when we're sitting with our eyes closed and not looking, but if we actually opened our eyes and just looked around and consciously looked each other in the eyes, what that would be like. Very probably quite awkward, quite um, embarrassing. It's fearful. Why is he looking at me? That would be quite difficult for people, wouldn't it? Actually, nobody's say anything, nobody's kind of threatening anything, nobody's, but you know, it, once you're actually directly connecting with something that's other, it brings up, it can evoke this uh, insecurity. And when we feel insecure, then the, the things that we've not made secure in ourselves, the unresolved elements that we've not actually cleared, we don't feel confident with, the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of guilt, the feelings of need, start to kind of shimmer up and we think, they're doing it to me. I bet he feels that about me. Quite a common experience. And then maybe everybody feels that about me. But actually the only one who feels that about me is me. And yet it's it's me when I it's that kind of quality of me only arises when I'm, when that me is brought into a context of, of 
something other than me. When me is just in a situation it's in top of, then that doesn't occur. The meanness extends itself over the world, over the world of the senses, over the environment, over the situation where it domesticates it, it familiarizes it, and then um, we don't feel that. But then what that what's that like? What's it like when you're with something that's very familiar in that sense? What happens? Isn't there some little voice going on in your brain that just keeps chattering away all the time? You know, when you're when you're in a situation you're totally familiar with, doing the same thing you've been doing for twenty-three years, you know, the same thing going on, and there's no everything is just totally normal, habitual routine. But what's happening then? There's this little voice going, oh, there's an idea, there's an idea, there's an idea, there's an idea, there's Who's it talking to? <laughs> if it's talking to you, why do you need to talk to yourself? Because you either know or you don't know, you're not giving yourself any new information. What's that, what's that about? Who's who's in there that you talk? One's one's mind is talking to. Yeah. That's what it's like when you're in the world of me. It's like that. Because actually, that world of me is only sustained by that very activity that now you can, you can hear it speaking. The activity of meing, familiarizing, so that not one moment is left without the imprint of my voice on it, my hold, my take. So you have to keep it going all the time. Not a moment of silence that might actually, something other might come out of that silence. Something unprepared. It's the the total wall-to-wall inner chatter that familiarizes and colonizes experience. There's me and mine. It goes on all the time, doesn't it? A tremendous life preoccupation is in being me. It's a it's a twenty four hour day job being me. Working on it tirelessly. You know it's totally inane and pointless. It's I know where I am. And then when it's if it stops so is it like in meditation now we will do we go to meditate we'll sit down and be quiet and practice meditation on the breath so in (laughs) (laughs) oh me got in there you know found suddenly a bit of empty space opened up quick colonize that. <laughs> so out comes the stuff about the dinner and the kids and the shape of the garden and the, what I did yesterday. Any old thing will do. Just fill it up. <laughs> and sometimes it even is, you know, urgent. 
and then worrying, you know, being guilty. <laughs> so it can be really ho- quite horrible being me, but it's kind of it's 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 a it's a habit one can't kick. And actually, the the only thing that would what really can kick it is actually otherness. What it's like when you go somewhere, you know, that's other but trust, but you you feel you can you can open to that otherness. This is what we call religious awe. Or you, know, you go to somewhere that's other, but you feel it's safe, it's trustworthy, it's bigger, and your mind goes quiet. You don't have to colonize it because it allows you, it receives you. You feel wonderful. Perhaps it can be something like religious experience, can be something like a mountaintop. Could, of course, be a a temple or a shrine. Um, It could be something natural, it could be something human. It could be even be a moment. I mean, for a, a moment with another person, we stop being who we are. And is that it's okay to not be who we're supposed to be? And it's a relief. So. Sacred place, and this is an example of it. Or this is a, an occasion. Of course, it is an occasion where all of uh, what we are is is can be gathered in a receiving silence. In a silence, it isn't just the absence of it, of noise. It's actually a listening kind of silence, a silence that says it's okay. You know, um, you can connect to this. It's not dismissing you. It's not saying, shut up. It's not saying, you know, don't be here. It's not saying you've got to do something. It's just saying, where you are is fine right now. I, you know, you're received in this. This is a very important thing. There's no um, awakening, no religious life, no spiritual practice without entering that. And of course, the the, the um, encouragement is to acknowledge that this actually is not inherent in any physical situation. It's inherent in our own ability to create that occasion with our hearts. Then, if we see that, I mean, uh, a particular environment may catalyze that but we see actually that's something that happens from our own hearts and minds that sense of the laying down of the me the the the, the acceptance the rather than familiarizing ourselves actually being able to be see ourselves as strange and yet accepted as strange the, the sadness or the grief or the hurt, or the whatever, rather than, oh, it shouldn't be this way, I mean, it's okay, that's, that's, that's that, that otherness, that non, you know, that, that unacceptable social 
what's socially unacceptable we found a place, we found a way of making that okay making it something we connect to we don't have to approve of it understand it, change it agree with it, dismiss it do anything with it, but just to connect to it okay and perhaps we might think that's the beginning and once we've connected to that then we'll do something about it but maybe there's not much more one needs to do just to connect to it it's connected to some fear you acknowledge some fear very familiar, very common very normal thing to experience fear, anxiety very normal it doesn't happen all the time but it's a pretty normal colour on the emotional palette the unknown, the other one of the very common things is to feel some sense of fear or anxiety that one might be overwhelmed by taken advantage of by looked down upon by the other very normal now, you know, we can think fear, I shouldn't be frightened I should be brave I shouldn't have fear, I should get over it so one isn't actually contacting that fear in a sacred way we're contacting in a way of me, I want to be some I want to overcome you get out of my way it's the old colonial aspect which you can witness that effects on the world colonialism not always you know, totally malicious but, but, but very much uh, not, a recip- not a reciprocal not, not a sympathetic relationship so how do we relate to something like fear is it a, as a colonial attitude sort it out, educate it make it talk, make it talk and speak English and straighten it out and everything will be alright <laughs> or is it something just to actually connect to that and then not have to solve it and sort it out and understand it and analyse it but just actually connect to it and then stop stop getting compulsive stop shaking with it stop trying to sort it out stop trying to get rid of it stop trying to uh, you know forgive somebody for it or whatever all the sort of things we do which are ways of saying let me get back to the nice familiarised domesticated state of, of staleness of neutrality yeah. right, just contacting some fear and saying and that, that, for that experience to be okay just to, to rest on the edge of it and feel it and relax into it and you know, just, just to do that just to let that presence be there instead of trying to defend oneself against it or bolster oneself up what I find myself is that it, with that kind of thing that, that way of relating to, to experiences whenever I do it is actually very transformative it transforms the me where what I'm thinking of is I want to transform the other the fear actually what needs to be transformed is the me 
the unwillingness or the conceitedness or the complacency or the the um, you know the not wanting to have that not wanting to have that experience and when I, when that sense of the meanness is transformed then actually the phenomena the phenomenon the fear whatever passes it's like I've got out of the way of it I've stepped out of the way and then it, it passes what's left is something kind of brighter more attentive more present state of being than the familiarized state of being it's alright to experience fear and be ashamed of fear makes you wakes you up And there's, when there's no running from it, then it's not really fear anymore. It's just alertness, attentiveness. So the condition is transformed by the transformation of the me in that particular situation, that particular context. It doesn't take much to, to recognize what you're your, your, you know, othernesses are sense of always having done something wrong feeling ashamed, feeling guilty yeah, yeah. trying try all kinds of things to stop that feeling but what about just actually <coughs> not stopping the feeling but, but opening up to the feeling and even not kind of opening up in a in a in a pushy way. Like let's have a catharsis, you know, all over the kitchen floor. But but just get to the edge of what I can what I can you know, what I can stay steady with and just stay there. And just stay there. And just stay there and just keep that quality of being present rather than pushing oneself into it rushing away from just staying there with that the that which is which one hasn't been able to accept and let it gradually do the transformative process you you rely upon the other to transform the me rather than the me to get rid of or tr- transform the other living this way is, then is really quite a, a wonderful and um, instructive experience you stay alive, stay awake instead of perpetuating karmic patterns you begin to um, go beyond the edges of them you begin to, to, to pull out of the karmic patterns of trying to be, trying not to be bhava and be bhava and the karma, karmic forces are heard, acknowledged, and have a chance to be. We, we, we feel them in a perspective, and the context of our life is something that becomes more trusting. The context is very significant. Content is the thing that always grabs us but context 
is what is about relationship and it's context that transforms content in any situation where you there's you and the other consider the context what do you is it a, a relationship you begin to work in a relationship with just being conscious trusting, connecting or is it a context that's, that's one of mistrust and fear it's going to be one or the other it's either going to be a context where there's conflict and, and trying to avoid that which <coughs> confronts you trying to deal with it we may call it trying to understand how to get rid of it we may call it but it's really just basically don't want it's a standoff it's a context of that nature or it's a context which is more about loving and trusting saying it's alright for that to be there and then once we we begin to work like this then you begin to gain the confidence to to go over the edges to go into the risk areas where you really begin to transform your life grow out of of the the tight constraints and uh, come alive truly alive in a situation like this we can you know it's a place where actually everything the other is the most uh, is, is actually fully present there's a whopping great brass image behind me that's strange isn't it? it's strange at first there's these strange people sitting here strange clothes not saying anything not looking happy or sad just sort of sitting there what's happening um, you know, people sitting with their eyes half closed, what's going on? What's happening here? Mm. 